0: I'm
1: ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 279 of the Mars Attacks Podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And with this episode, we conclude my discussion with my patrons regarding the best thrash bands of all time, their favorite thrash bands of all time. And just so you guys know, there is a video version available of this all in its three hour plus glory. Uh, but obviously you can skip around. If you check that out, at least for the top 10, I do post the logos of the bands on screen So some of the reactions, you'll start to hear some of the reactions before we actually start to talk about the bands or that I actually name the bands. So that's the specific reason why that takes place. But it's a lot of fun to talk to people about music. We all love doing this. So that's why I love talking to my patrons and doing these types of uh, voting events and special shows with them. Uh, Because it's fun to just talk about what different people voted for, different bands. You know, if you've listened to the shows up to now, you know that there are things like Life of Agony and Type O Negative, which have been voted for, which aren't exactly thrash. You know, I would, I mentioned this during the episode, uh, I think that Carnivore, which was Peter Steele's old band was more thrash than Type O Negative was. Are there aspects of thrash in what Life of Agony does? Yeah, absolutely. Do I consider them a thrash band? No, and I absolutely love Life of Agony, but I wouldn't wouldn't place them on a list, on a thrash-related list. That's for sure. But hey, look, people vote, and I appreciate that people take the time out to actually partake in this and I'm not going to complain you know if things are aren't the same way that I see them and look it's a, another discussion piece for all of us to you know talk about it even with you guys off air to say well, you know uh, no I would have voted for so and so or what's that band doing there there's going to be a lot of discussion with that when it comes to the end of this episode because there are going to be a lot of arguments as to who ended up where, what band ended up on top. Um, yeah, you know we, we they joke about it throughout the previous two episodes, but now we get down to the meat and the potatoes to figure out what people actually voted for. So this is again really cool discussion. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope the episode you know if nothing else makes you go back and check out some of these bands that maybe you haven't listened to in some time or in other cases you know it makes it it helps you discover bands and maybe give a band you know a spin that maybe way back when you didn't think uh you know they were worth your time maybe by seeing them on this list or hearing where they're ranked you'll say oh you know I get it I understand why this band is there or maybe the opposite with you thinking, what the hell were these people thinking voting for that band? So either way, you know, equal, uh, equal opportunity. (laughs) I'll, I'll take whatever you guys give me. So there you go. Again, a lot of fun with these types of discussions. I enjoy it. And if you like this, consider becoming a patron either way. I appreciate your time and appreciate you spending your evening, your morning, your afternoon listening to this specific episode. In any event, we're going to hop on into Patron's Pick with Mr. Jeremy Weltman, where every week he picks an album to discuss, which is his Patron's Pick. So let's see what Jeremy has in store first this week. And the great rundown that he provides us with every episode. So, here we go. Here's
0: Jeremy Welkman with Patron's Pick.
2: Greetings from the home of heavy metal, the United Kingdom, of course. This week, there have been a lot of releases as usual, but I was looking through them initially thinking, am I going to struggle to pick a patron's pick? But no, as usual, there were so many to choose from and quite a few that I wanted to go through. Just a very quick mention before that for the new single from The Cult. I've heard it. It's out this week. In fact, it came out today. And if you want to hear what I think of it, I'll be talking to Victor about it on the Signals from Mars live show. That will be tonight if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, I think Victor's going to be starting in that one at 11 p.m. And it will also be up on YouTube. So have a listen to that. As for the albums that have been released this week, firstly, there's a nice, quite a nice new release on Ripple Music. It's the self-titled Righteous Fool album. It's um, very much a sort of sludgy, raw, riff-heavy rocker. It contains um, a couple of the Corrosion of Conformity members, and uh, I suggest you check it out. It's a, it's a good album. Another one is uh, some really great old-school Dio and Maiden-style classic metal from a band called Iron Flame. Uh, their album is called Where Madness Dwells. It's on High Roller Records. Um, it's a band from Ohio. It's the brainchild of Andrew DeCanya. Uh, and I believe it's their fourth album uh, and certainly if you 've been yearning for some eighties classic sort of maiden album which they haven't been releasing lately um you'd be hard pressed to find anything uh that matches uh, matches that ambition so um check it out for for all maiden fans um there's also a high roller um record which is a sort of Sodom-style act called Protector. Their album is called Excessive Outburst of Depravity. Uh, there's also some keyboard-heavy rock from Lord Vigo and a new thrash record from Municipal Waste, which I quite enjoyed. Another one, uh, final one, before I come to the actual patrons' pick, there's the much-anticipated album from the Greek band Cellar Stone. It's called Rise and Fall. It's on the Rock of Angels records. Uh, This is their second album. Uh, We've had a few singles before to go on uh, to whet our appetites that Victor's been putting up in his Patreon group. Uh, The Excellent Going Under, War We Can Win, and Time to Fall. There's certainly plenty of good hooks and powerful riffs on this album. Uh, The song Through My Veins is a good example of that, and there's some very well woven melodies as well uh, as on the track To The Core. It's, um, it's not all so easily accessible, um, it's not the catchiest rock band at all, but that certainly makes it all the more intriguing, and it's very well worth your time listening to that. This week's patrons pick is a coincidence, because later on, Victor will be interviewing Dan Lorenzo, and in fact, I have picked Patriarchs in Black with Reach for the Scars. This is an album that's full of doom-laden swagger. As I mentioned, it features Dan uh, with a whole host of guests. I'd say this is a really cool album. Um, It's so cool, in fact, that my freezer broke down as soon as I put it on. There's Black Sabbath, there's Cult on here, uh, certainly in in that sort of style. Uh, There's even a bit of rap, and there's also an excellent cover of Kashmir by Led Zeppelin. Uh, Ultimately, it's it's Dan's own style, uh, and it's really pure, unadulterated, sizzling rock and roll. Really like it, so go out, buy it, play it, turn it up loud, because this week it's Patron's Pick.
1: Awesome. Patriarchs in Black, Dan Lorenzo's latest project. One of the many things we're going to talk about tonight, obviously, this was just released last week, which is why it was Jeremy's patron's pick. I don't always agree with Jeremy's pick, but that's one of them. I really enjoy the album and can't wait to speak to Dan, who's been a friend of the show for years, and to talk to him about the album Reach for the Scars. And that track is Demon of Regret. It does feature Mr. Carl Agle. He's best known for being the lead singer of, or I should say for singing on the album Blind by Corrosion of Conformity. So really cool track overall. Uh, I really enjoyed it the second I heard it. So cool. Uh, like I said, the album is pretty solid beginning to end, and it is Dan and it is also Johnny Kelly, best known for his work with Typo Negative, currently part of Quiet Riot, Silver Bomb, Danzig, <laughs> and a bunch of other things. So uh, check it out. Uh, real quickly, I do want to send a shout out to all of my patrons. And uh, I do appreciate all of your support. Just want to run down the names real quickly here. Um, Just remember that you can become a patron for as little as two bucks a month. And uh, the discussion that you're hearing on this episode comes directly from a patron exclusive episode. Or not a patron exclusive episode, but an episode that features all of my patrons is what I'm trying to get at. So real quickly here, let's go in reverse order. I want to thank Steve Saylor, Stephen Hoker, Mike Jones, Metal Dan, Hosein, Connecticut, Johan up in Sweden, Jeremy Weltman, Mr. Patron's Pick. We have the newest patron, Gene Eugene DX up in Canada, Metal Dentist Gabriel. We have Ed the Shred Ferguson. We have Chris Vaglio. We have Brad Dahl my brother Art, and we have Anthony Mackey in Ireland. Thank you all of you guys. Excuse me. Thanks all of you guys for supporting the show. And uh, there are other ways that you can support the show, like using our Amazon links, since I am an Amazon affiliate. Uh, you can also do a PayPal donation, or there are others that prefer to do the whole buy me a pizza, buy me a coffee thing. And uh, just go to marsthetaxradio.com, go to support the site, and you'll find links to all of these various things, whether it's PayPal, Buy Me a Pizza, Amazon, or Patreon. Share the show. Share it with your friends. Post about it on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, on social media outlets that you guys tend to use, and just let people know that. The show is still live (laughs) and it is still going all these years later. It's going to be 13 years. Actually, we're in July. What am I talking about? 13 years since I started podcasting. This specific show started up 13 years ago in September. So there is a 13th anniversary show, 13th anniversary shirt, T-shirt that you can order. Some of my patrons have picked this one up. And that is available if you do become a patron. Uh, It depends on what tier you want to select. But uh, among the things that you get is an exclusive podcast with behind-the-scenes stories and me discussing recent music news. Uh, There's the great discussion that we have between the patrons uh, right there on Patreon regarding various songs and things that are being uh, released. Uh, you have access to the Patreon or to the patron exclusive shows. Uh, also, you're able to come on the the pre show, the first hour of the Signals from Mars live stream, album of the week video, uh, shout outs. Uh, you get to ask questions to the guests before anyone else is able to ask them in the chat or anything like that. The merch, which I mentioned, and overall, it's just a great experience for people that are music nerds like us that love hard rock and metal love just talking about all these different great subjects and bands and so on and so forth. So uh, in any event, let's move on to part three of the thrash discussion with my patrons five through one. Enjoy. Enjoy. Number five, actually before we go to five, we had Pantera at ten, Suicidal Tendencies at nine, uh, Sepultura at eight, Slayer at seven, Death Angel at six. Number five.
3: What? Read. It's got to be higher than that. <laughs> <The>
1: Testament <laughs> At number five, and I That's will it. say that they weren't that far off from making it to four. Four and five is really, really close. And actually, uh, six, seven, and eight was very close. Then there's a jump up to what four and five got. And then the first three are even closer. So Testament at number five, a band that I talked about a little bit before. A band that never went away. When some of these bands did, Uh, the 90s came around. Other bands were accused of trying to fit in with grunge or to do certain things. Testament got heavier and heavier as time went on. If you look at albums again, like Low, The Gathering, and Demonic, and it just seemed like every album was heavier, one from the other. Um, My introduction to something that anthony kind of um mentioned before the first person that kind of started singing with guttural vocals that i started to appreciate was chuck billy with that low album where before that it just i didn't get it and then i i heard the song um i heard the the title track and i heard the song hail mary and i just lost it i'm like holy crap i'm like what is this You know, and that's when I realized, you know, where he was getting it from. So, um, yeah, so Testament. Um, Who wants to share thoughts on Testament? I've seen them at least once with Paul Bostoff on drums for that Formation of Damnation uh, tour. They were opening up for Judas Priest. It was Priest, Megadeth, and Testament. And they were ridiculous. They were great. Um, Who uh, Jeremy? You had Testament on your shirt there.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen them about maybe four or five times, and uh, I saw them once at Download Festival, uh, and they really blew my mind. They were they were very very loud, but but they very well, you know, produced. Very sort of you know the sound was very clear. Um, the songs were fantastic. I've only ever been into them for 10 years. So I first got into them on the Dark Roots of Earth album. Okay. Um, that came out. I'd not really sort of, I'd I'd sort of heard of the band before, but I'd not really got into them as, as a, you know, one of my favorite bands. And then, um, after that, I bought the, the Dark Roots of Thrash album. Uh, you know the live album which um Great. i'd say is probably one of the greatest thrash live albums that's ever been made um it's it's a greatest hits album for for one thing and it and it's um it's just so well produced um and it, and it's got all the elements of thrash and, and i like the fact that you know you've got skolnick and peterson who um probably two of the greatest guitarists that, that you know thrash has produced as well Obviously, there are there are uh, are others, and we're going to talk about Megadeth in in a bit, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, but those two, you know, they're both lead guitarists. They're both, uh, you know, they're both soloists. Uh, they're both riff riff masters. Um, and the great thing about Testament is you don't have to like everything that's on every album, but on every album there are great songs. Uh, you know, so there might be three, four, five great songs on on each album, uh, and and like you say, you know, they keep producing it. Even the, the very latest album that they've just just come out with, um, you know, again, you don't have to like everything on there, and I think it probably fades a bit, you know, in the second half. But the first, the first, what would be the old traditional first side of the album is probably amongst the yeah you know, the greatest stuff they've ever done.
1: Yeah, they've, again, been consistent with, like you said, just putting
4: out good stuff. Um, Who won't? Go ahead, Dan. I've been a huge fan of them, but I've lost some of my uh, favoritism to them lately. I can't get into the new album. Um, I probably suffer from burnout. I've seen Testament a lot. I've seen them from small clubs, the country clubs, uh, was a venue back in Reseda, through the, the big arenas. I saw them at this really small club and I think, guess it was Eric's birthday and they had a stripper come out. So that was unusual to stop the show and do a strip. That was cool. Jesus. So, just the unusual. And I uh, mentioned the album dark roots of earth. The song they should be playing and they don't do is called last stand for independence. That guitar riff is amazing. It's one of the, wow. one of the best things when I hear that song, I play Last Stand for Independence again. I, it's a back-to-back each time. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I do think that the cool thing that, I mean, Eric writes a lot of the music, regardless who they've had as like the the main lead player, has always been great, regardless if it's a player that you've heard of or not. You know, Skolnick is just such a tremendous player, but James Murphy just... Such a great player. Um, I can't even pronounce Glenn's last name. Uh, Al Valais, I guess is how it's pronounced. Just sick player. Um, Even the drummers from Bostoff to John Tempesta to even Louis Clement when he could play. Louis Clement at that time on those first few albums was great for that time. But as the band evolved and Dave Lombardo in the band now and was in the band in the 90s for, for a second. John Deddy as well, who was also in Slayer. So Gene Hoagland, of course. I mean, just all great, great guys. So great players. Uh, anyone else want to mention anything about Testament?
5: Yes. Go ahead, Johan. <laughs> I've uh, seen them many times. Uh, and I am... Uh this is a strange band. They have all the keys. They have all the, yeah, you know, they could be a, uh, a real big band, but it's like they choose not to, because if they only could write uh, a catchy song, but they choose not to, uh, That's how I feel, Uh, because they have a great singer and uh, the players are obviously great, but they choose not to write uh, catchy songs. So it's a strange band for me. And they play here a lot, here in Sweden. They play, I have seen them many, many times, both at small clubs. First time I saw them were opening up for Iron Maiden in Stockholm at The Globe. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know what you guys think, but I think it's, it's, it's almost like they choose not to be great. If you know what I mean.
2: But the Johan, do you think songs like maybe rise up or, um, um, so, uh, what's the other song I'm thinking of? Uh, the pale King, those sort of songs are, are pretty catchy. Yeah.
5: But I mean, I, I, catchy like for a a wider audience.
0: Yeah, like, I, uh, yeah.
5: like I, Electric Crown. It's almost yeah. uh, catchy, but I think they have they have it in them, but they choose not to be mainstream. I don't know, but
2: yeah, that's how not, I feel. yeah, not not in a sort of Metallica kind of way. Yeah, yeah. But the... Yeah, very mainstream, yeah. -hmm.
1: Yeah. The Ritual, which has Electric Crown, I think was their attempt to do that because Electric Crown got played a lot in the U.S., Mm -hmm. at least on metal radio, and it was on Headbangers Ball week after week after week. Mm -hmm. And then Return to Serenity, which was their, I think, their first ballad, um, that got a ton of airplay as well. So... Uh I think they tried because Atlantic wanted them to do something that was catchier or more popular and it just didn't work and when that didn't work they came back with Low which was the heaviest thing they ever released at that point in time. Um so I think they've tried to do it but then after that they just they just decided not to. You know. The the other thing too is you have to figure that um, like I said, Eric Peterson is the main songwriter in the, um, in the band. Um, Chuck Billy, although he does, I mean, I'm looking at Lowe and he's got a, a lot of writing credits. At least on the later albums, he doesn't write a lot of the lyrics. Del James writes a lot of this stuff. Del James, who is best known for writing lyrics for Guns N' Roses. Um, so I, you know, well, I'm looking at Formation of Damnation and he has credits on every single song. So, uh, what the hell do I know? But, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that he, he gets help with when it comes to uh, writing this stuff. But regardless, um, I think they're a great band. Again, we, we get, we get to this point where Testament, Death Angel. Should Slayer have been above them? Yes. Yes. Should no. should
3: creator have been above them?
0: No. Not
6: necessarily.
1: Okay. Johan is saying yes for creator. But should yeah. Would, yeah. would you have put creator above suicidal tendencies, Pantera, Sepultura? Um no, no, no. Okay. <laughs>
5: No, no, not those bands, but...
1: Okay. No, no. So number four, only beat Testament out by a few points for number four.
3: I think that this pick may stir some shit up. That's right. No, it's good. Overkill, a band that a
1: lot of people voted on whether they were high or low on the list, a lot of people voted for them. I am surprised
3: personally that they ended up at 4. Um
1: I surely would have thought that Slayer, Testament and Death Angel would have probably gotten higher on the list than Overkill, but I'm Being someone from New Jersey, I'm happy (laughs) that that Overkill ranked where they are because, you know, homegrown boys, and the band has always been
4: nice to me. So
1: what else do you want? They are.
4: Yeah, they are such good people. I did the meet and greet recently before the pandemic, and the moment I heard Blitz's voice when he walked in put a smile on my face. I didn't have to see him. You could hear him, and you just go, this is going to be great. And he was super nice. Everybody stopped down, but he was over the top nice. Yeah. What a, what a thing. And I enjoyed seeing them every time. So far, no burnout on Overkill. <laughs> there you go. Who else wants to mention something about
3: Overkill? I've been loving
6: all of Overkill's records in the last, what, 10 to 20 years. Um, I mean, I've been listening to them since, you know, the mid 80s uh, and I even saw him live, but uh, I didn't like them nearly as much as all the other bands. But now I think they're right up there with all the other bands and putting out records that are a lot of times heavier than the other guys.
3: Yeah, I think
1: from. I think Immortalis. Was when they started to like direct the ship in the right way. But Ironbound, which came out in 2010, was when they found like the formula to kind of give them, you know, Overkill version two like meaning and substance. I think from then, from from 2010, they've released Ironbound, Electric Age, White Devil Armory, The Grinding Wheel, and The Wings of War. I think all of those albums have been strong to keep yeah. them in com- in the same conversation as a lot of these bands. And we've seen that uh, there have been combinations of tours where it has been, you know, Overkill Testament, Death Angel with Slayer or Anthrax. Or, you know, it's almost like they've kind of popped these bands in and out where it shows their appeal and, and their importance and they can still go out and headline, you know, not... Arenas, obviously, but they're still going out and doing, you know, theater tours where they're pulling in, you know, a thousand to two thousand people a night. Um, I think that says a lot to what they what they have been able to do with sort of right the ship, per se, um, for a lot of people. Um, Any anyone else want to mention anything about Overkill?
6: You could almost credit them, too like Exodus being one of the earliest bands to be demoing thrash metal songs.
1: I mean, if you really want to get technical with it, they started up in 79, I believe trying to yeah. find a way they initially were maybe more of like a, a kiss type band because there's, there are pictures of them in white makeup and stuff like that, where they were trying to do that stuff. And they, they covered Deuce on their one um covers album, uh but I think that you know motorhead was probably what motorhead and Early Priest is what really started to point them in the direction that they uh went on. The band was called before they were called Overkill, they were called Tyrant because of the Judas priest song so hmm. um so they were you know they covered priest they covered. Uh, obviously, Motorhead and stuff like that. And uh, again, you know, they were a band that early on covered uh, Sonic Reducer from the um, the Dead Boys, which is a punk song, you know. So, again, there's a lot of different things that they did early on where, like you're saying, you can kind of argue that, you know, maybe they had their 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 pulse on something. They had their finger on the pulse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they they weren't there yet you know they hadn't gotten discovered yet and they're definitely part of one of those early megaforce bands that helped push that label to the notoriety that they that they ended up getting so uh cool that they ended up at number four number three i will say that out of the top
3: three from three to two There's a four point difference from two to one. The number one band wins this list, this poll, by one point. Hmm. Who do you guys think is number three?
0: (laughs) Anthrax.
1: Anthrax. No, it is. (laughs) Number three. Uh. They're my favorite thrash band. I've made that very apparent and much like what you said about Slayer Mm -hmm. uh, before, I've always loved Anthrax. But the 90s, shit time period for me in my life and everything, you know, um, for various reasons, early 2000s. um, I know a lot of people do not there are a lot of people that do like the John Bush era. I personally prefer the Bush era to the Joey area era because of how the way that those lyrics spoke to me during that point in time in my life, the emotional connection that I had um, with those songs, with those albums helping me out of shitty times, as Mm. you were mentioning before, Ed, so as much as I do really like the Joey era, the John Bush era is that much more important to me. Um, couple that with the fact that I would play Crush over and over again, the first song off of volume eight to drive my ex-wife absolutely nuts. You know, so there you go. There's, there's another uh, thing that uh, where they've helped out in my life. But uh, anyway, Uh anthrax, should they be at number three?
6: Um Ed, you're nodding your head. Yes. Yeah, they belong there. That was my spreading the disease was my second thrash metal record, Ride the Lightning being the first. And uh 1985, I was listening to that uh constantly. Um and I've been with them ever since. Among the Living's one of my favorite records of all time. And um, also, I really I like the John Bush years as well. I especially like that record they did when John Bush did some of the older Anthrax covers. Mm-hmm. And I love that version of Keep It in the Family. Mm-hmm. I think it's like uh, twice as heavy as the uh, original one. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying the record. I'm really hoping for a good thrash metal record from them after the pandemic, you know.
1: Let's let's hope they supposedly had two albums worth of material mm-hmm. uh, for four all Kings. There was a lot that was left behind that they were talking about releasing like another album, like two years later, which never ended up coming out. Um,
6: and I've said this before. I can remember having lived during that time that the sound of heavy metal, especially some of the heavier forms of metal began to change after Among the Living came mm-hmm. out. The way they produced that record, you know, we were already hearing the the heavy, juggy sound of guitars in uh, like Metallica songs, but the way they did Among the Living kind of took that to a whole nother level. Right. And I remember in the years following that, it seemed like everything kind of started to sound like that, all the way up until you mentioned earlier, Pantera. And then after Pantera, you heard that happen all over again, mm-hmm. uh, post their records coming out.
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting too, because I do think that spreading is very important with that as well. Like it was almost like among the living bee, but yeah. didn't quite have this, the same production, didn't have, you know there yeah. was the songs are good, but they're missing something. But to the point where I think after Among the Living came out, as you're saying, a lot of bands, you know, whether you want to talk about the incorporation of, and I know this was more of an SOD thing, the incorporation of the blast beat, the incorporation of of certain things, even the the polka beat that Charlie, you know, added in stuff like um, Caught in a Mosh and, and stuff like that. Um, a lot of bands started incorporating. And uh, that stuff, and then the type, you know. I think the the style in which the the um, the riffs were composed and and played. I think there's a lot of stuff there that, if you hear them, for example, on the um the recent covers album where they where they covered Cheap Trick, they did the song Big Eyes, and and I listen to that, and I've listened to Big Eyes since I was a kid because my brother had Live at Budokan, and I'm listening to that, and I'm going shit. You know, you listen to Scott Ian play that and it's like, this is like the root of where he got a lot of this stuff from, you know, a lot of these types of seventies chord progressions that just with him playing the way that he plays, the way that he attacks the strings, it kind of made that anthrax. You know, if, if you listen to Scott play almost anything, you realize, wow, that's, that's Scott, that's his playing, that's his hands, you know? So it's it's, cool to kind of come on that and i I agree with what you're saying um
4: anyone else want to uh mention dan go ahead well with what's happening now yeah i love anthrax what's happening now on the videos to see Ian and and his son yes son his son plays drums and that's got to be what a what a great experience for scott to to get a reward to have your kid into the same music you are Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid needs to, he needs to grow still. He doesn't have that charm, and he just makes it look like he's just going through it. I would just be jumping up and down to be able to do it that with his son. I don't know his son's name, what he's doing with Scott. But I think that's great. So here it is. They're keeping it alive. Um, they're hitting the states again for another round of tours. That's good. I'm always looking forward to the next uh, Anthrax album. Um, I think they're right about where they need to be three or four for this list and that's what i have to say about that his son just released an album actually
1: mm. name of the band is honeybee and it's him on drums and two other kids that are they're slightly older than him because he's his son is the age he's his son is like 2 months older than my oldest son so like the other kids his son's 11 the other two kids that play with him are like 14 and 15 years old um, so, so yeah, I mean, big shoes to fill, obviously on both sides of the family. Um, but you know, yeah, it'll, it'll be, um, cool to see. And his son was recently, they, they covered, um, he, on guitar, he covered with his father. I think it was, uh, rain and blood, if I'm not
4: mistaken. That was so cool. He just does it like it's no big deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The kid's got talent. It's great. Yeah. Well, that's like
1: growing up in in the household of, of an athlete. You know, you, it's kind of second nature. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. No big deal. So while the rest of us slobs, uh, you know, struggle over learning these riffs and playing this stuff, this kid's already better than us at 11. So, um, yeah. Anyone else want to mention anything about anthrax?
2: Yeah. Sure. Just...
5: Wait, Jeremy, you start.
2: No, i just think from a uk perspective um they were a really big thing in the uk um around the sort of the, the the among the living album um they suddenly took off and i think at the time they were probably the the biggest thrash metal band at, at that particular moment you know bigger than metallica even um yeah and i remember a lot of people being into them i personally wasn't into them at the time but now i've listened to to that album and a few of the others uh since um you know I, i'd rate them very highly um they certainly have a you know they made a massive contribution to that particular genre of music um and um you know they're, 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 there's a lot of great songs amongst amongst their you know their output um i don't know if, um Anthony thinks the same, you know. In in Ireland, do you think they were they were the big thing at the time?
7: They were big, yeah. They paid paid a lot of attention to this part of the world, and you know we had them opening for Metallica here on the Master of Puppets tour, and then like a year later they were back uh, on their own, headlining themselves with Among the Living. So,
3: and they were really like. These were big gigs in time, so they weren't super popular. Until mm. they had the bit of a
7: hiccup when they came back here with uh, State of Euphoria, and they had to. I've mentioned this before. They walked up stage and have had a bit of a tricky relationship with Ireland since. Mm. But uh, I don't know, like Aspects are one of those bands. Like they're really good. Love them. I've
3: been listening to them since. For the metal, um, but they're like Kiss in that the
7: lore of Anthrax you could talk about them forever Mm -hmm. and you could bitch about them forever and they, but the decisions they've made, whether they're good or bad over the years, so there's a lot to talk about with Anthrax, but musically, sure, they're they deserve to be where they are you know couldn't
6: be anywhere else really
7: well maybe maybe number four
6: you <laughs> know <laughs> before we leave that conversation i also think that dan spitz is one of the more unique guitar players in that genre nobody plays like that guy and i kind of miss his playing
1: that is that why uh You think he taught Dime how to play all the solos that he played on uh, Stomp Force? That's
6: right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: John Bush got a good chuckle out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Johan, you were going to say something. Go ahead.
5: Yeah, Just quickly, I I, uh, I bought the album uh, Among the Living and uh, I have uh, really liked them since then. Uh, Followed them uh, through the years. Saw so them the first time on The Persistence of Time. They were opening up for Maiden in Gothenburg. Um, I liked the Jan Busch records as well. Uh, yeah, great band. Uh, the best uh, in this genre. Absolutely. Still, liked, uh, still love them, actually. Uh, what a great band.
0: Excellent. Hmm.
3: So um, we're down to two.
1: Real quickly here, let me just uh, recap the 10 up to now. We had Pantera, Suicidal Tendencies, Sepultura, Slayer, Death Angel, Testament, Overkill at four, Anthrax at number three. At number Um,
2: two. We all know who the top two are. It's just which ones in, in which order.
1: That is correct.
3: The majority of everyone has said who they think is number one, but voted number two, losing out number one by one vote. Yay! Metallica
1: controversial <laughs> two.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Johan is laughing about it. It was.
0: That's
1: your fault, Johan. All week. I I know, I know. (laughs) Because he wrote specifically saying, similar to what he said earlier, that no one needs to talk about certain (laughs) Metallica albums anymore, and he didn't want to vote for them. Mm -hmm. And all week as I'm seeing the voting take place, I'm thinking, is Johan at the end of the day going to say, I should have voted for Metallica. They would have been number one. But given your smile and your laugh, I'm assuming that the answer is no. (laughs) But um, yeah, so Metallica gets one point less than the number one band, which all you guys can assume who that is. Um, But Metallica, a band that um, uh, I honestly got into late because... uh, for whatever stupid reason, when I was in school, you were either an anthrax and Megadeth fan or Metallica and a slayer fan. And, um, because I loved both, uh, anthrax and Megadeth, I couldn't be part of that other club. So I was let dumb high school, uh, mentality, uh, get into my head and not, and not check Metallica out. And lo and behold, Uh, I used to record um, a show that Eddie Trunk would appear on just so that I could have all these songs from different groups that they were playing. Little did I know that I had been listening to Fade to Black for years without even knowing it was Metallica. And then all of a sudden, a guy named Ian O'Malley, who was in uh, New York at WNEW, had a metal show called The Metal Shop or something like that. I forget. Mm -hmm. He premiered this song called Harvester of Sorrow. And that was the first single off of Injustice for All. And I was like, uh, maybe this Metallica band isn't that bad after all. But one came out, the video for one came out. And I have never liked the song one ever. There's just something about it that I've never liked it. And then it got played to death. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not wrong about not liking this band. And I remember coming back from Spain. um, And my friend says to me, All right, I want you to listen to something. And I'm not going to tell you who the band is. Because I don't want you to have this preconceived notion about you not liking or not liking the band. I want you to hear these two songs. The first song was
3: through the never. And the second song was of Wolf
1: and man, both off of the black album. And I was like, what the hell is this? I've, I, you know, these riffs are ridiculously good. I'm like, what band is this? He was like, this is Metallica. There's no fucking way. This is Metallica. This can't be the same band that put out one, you know? Um, so I, he, he sat me down and he said, listen, this summer, I bought the entire Metallica catalog. We swore them off, but I want you to listen to it because we were wrong all these years. And I started listening to it and I said, I'm an asshole. You know, why Why didn't I get into this band any sooner than, than I did? But I mean, this is what dumb young kids do. Um, so, yeah. So uh, since then, I've considered myself a big fan of the band. I've probably been more lenient towards the band because I wasn't into them with those first four albums when they came out. Um, but I do realize the, how important those albums are. Uh, I do realize also that the black album, for as much as people may not like the album, some purists, it's probably the most important heavy metal album ever released. Just because of how many copies it sold and how many people, it's probably been the gateway to get into better music and to pick up an instrument. So um, who wants to go first
3: when it comes to Metallica? Johan, are you glad? Are you still glad that you didn't vote for them?
5: I mean, Metallica is... Were the <laughs> my number one band? Okay, many many years in the eighties, uh, and I saw them on the Unjustice World Tour uh, the first time, and I've seen them, I don't know, fifteen times after that perhaps. But I just feel about Metallica. That we have spoken on every chord, on every memory, so much. So Metallica is. Overspoked for me. So if anyone has anything new to say about them, I'd be happy to listen. But I'm, uh, I'm
4: done.
0: <laughs>
4: okay. I was a member of the Metallica fan club, Met Club. Started mm-hmm. out, I was one of the first in there. So I had already been a fan for a long time before that, obviously. And they treated me well. Because of the fan club, I met everybody but James. I got invited to intimate gigs that some people didn't, Uh, a San Diego Comic-Con thing that was in a small theater because of the fan club. Uh, I've been up front and front row from more Metallica shows than I thought I'd ever be. Uh, I got treated right. I've seen events go down talking about clearing out uh, seats. That was at the Coliseum for the Monsters of Rock where... Once Metallica came on, the we the people went crazy and uh out go the seats, and now there's general admission for Van for uh <laughs> Van Halen later in the night. Uh, the seat throwing event at Long Beach Arena where the kids went crazy and tore the seats off them, were throwing them at the at the band, and Metallica had to pay for the damage to the club and they didn't care. It was it was a great ride, but uh they're starting to fade in, in, in mine. I agree with Johan. Yet they're still filling arenas, so they're they doing what they want to do. But I think it's time to release a new album. I think it's time to hit back into the arenas to do new songs and uh, do a proper tour and uh, come back around again. That's what I have to say. They're they're technically playing
1: here tonight, forty minutes away from me. Um, actually, with uh, Weezer, Anthony. Um, it's yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, Metallica, Weezer, The Helicopters, and then I'm not sure who the other two bands are. But unfortunately, yes, 40 minutes away, but a hundred and something euros per ticket. So it's kind of out of my price range at the moment. So um, hopefully at some point in the future. Uh, Anthony,
3: uh, any thoughts on Metallica? Uh, well, well, like, where do you start? Like, Metallica, like, yes, they've never. I haven't followed them to the same degree over the years, let's say, but, but, whenever they come here, I always, I can't imagine not being there. You know,
7: there's uh, many times, like Megadeth have played, I'm like, I'm not not going to that, Judas Priest have played, I'm not going to that, but Metallica, you've kind of got to (laughs) go to see Metallica, Um,
3: because I've seen them so many times, like, come back to the Master Puppets was the first time they played here, and
7: they could just do what they want to do they've ha- they've had a very consistent message from the very beginning like their message from the start was always be yourself do what you want to do you know fuck everybody else
3: mm-hmm. and i feel that that's what they've done and they they've sort of maintained their integrity
7: uh so you know they're they're a great example of a band, you know, maybe apart from some of that stuff they're doing now where they're bringing out watches and there's like Michael Metallic and Mercedes or something like that, but shit like that.
3: Right. But they just seem
7: really cool, you know, and together. Like I don't know if anyone, has anyone ever seen that film Mission to Lars? More about this kid who wants to meet Lars. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's just really enjoyable. Like when you, you finally meet them at the end, you going to go, "God, like he's such a cool guy." And he does. This is what be rich your whole life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can end up being
3: so nice. So, I just I don't listen to them so much, but um. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Metallica, but it's undeniable.
1: Yeah, Metal Dan, they haven't released a Metallica candle or Metallica lipstick or eyeshadow that I'm aware of. Actually, they did, but they sued so that they wouldn't use their name because they didn't want it to um, confuse fans because they hadn't given them permission. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, the the other puzzling thing is we've heard. For example, James just got out of rehab and they
4: just put out a whiskey. Mm-hmm. I've got yeah, it right here. <laughs> but I mean, it's, that's good stuff. I, I enjoy that. Yeah, it's good.
1: But I mean, my, my question there if you, you have a lead singer that struggled with alcohol his entire life, is putting out your own label alcohol the, the, the right thing to do? I mean, that just, to me, that's kind of perplexing. Um, ah, uh-huh.
5: wow. <laughs>
6: uh, and then I've got another one. They did a rye whiskey with the right. Willet distillery, which is better than this one.
4: Oh well, they they charge a good amount for it. It's fifty dollars, sixty dollars U.S. for that stuff. But it's it's tasty. Right, right. Yeah. And you if you were to buy it.
6: two of these from this release, you know, the two boxes together mm-hmm. would create this image that's going around the side huh. if i bought another one i could put them side by side to see the whole image but i didn't get that all i need now is that motorhead whiskey oh if anybody sees that you need to get it and save it for me
4: <laughs> oh i want it too they they release stuff but and then the band you're going to talk about next their beer is really good too you're going ah. to Oh, the ACDC beer? Yeah, I've I've nah. tried the Man <laughs> beer. <laughs>
1: um, Anthony, were you at the show where Metallica kind of got booed for not playing whiskey in a jar?
3: Uh, no. Well, where was that? Th-
1: that was at, I believe it was at Slain Castle. Well, they did uh, pay whiskey in a jar there. Right, but uh, the they played it once, but the time before that, they didn't because I have uh, one of the bootlegs where they actually said, we're going to play the song because last time you guys kind of was
7: playing. Was that the time that they did all of Master Puppets or they did all of Black Album or something like that? There was one time they played here. I was on holiday at the time, so Mm -hmm. it could have been at that gig.
1: Yeah. Possibly, I saw them here in Spain when they did All of Black album. Um, so that was at this point. It was what five, six years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think
7: there's, there's only one Irish Metallica gig that I've missed. Well, or or actually two. If you count Belfast, I didn't go to that. Okay. Um, um, Death, Death,
3: Magnet- Death, Magnetic should have gone to that
1: actually. Gotcha. uh jeremy uh your thoughts on metallica
2: yeah um well what you've been sort of pointing to really is the fact that they're they're actually a brand not a band um right. and so you know if you think about it there's only a few mega bands out there there's kiss there's acdc i maiden and these these bands are, are not just bands they're brands And the reason why they're like that is obviously they've got great marketing departments and they've got great managers and all that sort of stuff. But they've got great songs and great albums. And the reason why Metallica are such a mega, mega band is because they produce the best songs amongst, you know, the other great bands. Um, And I would suggest that. Metallica have probably three, maybe four albums that are better than any other thrash band's albums. Um, that's my opinion, and obviously, you'll just, you know, some of you guys are going to disagree with that, and that's fine. <laughs> but um, you know, I think that they do have those albums that that are better. Uh, you've mentioned the Black Album, um, Master of Puppets, um, um, Ride the Lightning. And I also think that Death Magnetic is better than many people say it is. I think it's a magnificent album. You need to go back and listen to it. It might not have the greatest production on it, but it has the great, you know, really great songs on it. Um, and so they're there on Marriott and they're, they're there because they're they're a great live act. Um, and obviously they can put a lot of money into it now. Um, so, you know, the more money you can put into your show um the better you're gonna be. Um they they cross a lot of um they cross over as well amongst a lot of people who don't like metal but they like Metallica. You know, you'll get young people into Metallica, they'll buy the t shirts, they'll so go and see them, but they're not necessarily, you know, your core metal fans. Um and, you know, at the end of the day they've 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 um they've contributed so much to rock music. Uh and we should all be glad of that really.
1: Yeah, I I do think that they get, uh, of course, the bigger a band is, the more haters you're going to have, too. I think yes. that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Oh, look at all the, you know, there's a reason why so many people hate them. Right, because they're so big, because more people know of them than, than Flotsam and Jetsam. So you're going to have more people that hate on them as a result. And yeah, not every band is perfect, but the whole crowdfunding thing when they put out death magnetic and they did uh they would release video clips once a day it got you like it you wanted that album because once a day you'd get a clip then certain days a week you'd get two clips then they'd give you songs you know in advance like uh i think cyanide judas kiss and I forget, maybe it was The Day That Never Comes. They, they gave you that through that, that whole thing. They do certain things that no other band does. These box sets that they've been releasing with the anniversary releases are what a music nerd wants. You know, um, the, What they do with their live shows, where a few days after they do a show, you can get it, you can buy it online, warts and all you know, they are who they are, you know, um, they're not ashamed of it. So there, there's a lot of things that I think they need to be commended for that maybe a lot of people miss out. And much like the opposite of what, uh, Johan said the other day, I've never heard anyone with like guns and roses where there've been several reviews about how good they've been being sarcastic. Um, I've never heard anyone say that about Metallica live. You could. Hear them complain about Lars or things like that from time to time that his playing isn't what it used to be. But overall, people have a great time at the shows, even if they're not into the later albums. So um, Ed, your thoughts on Metallica.
6: Well, I have a lot of thoughts on Metallica, but for the sake of time, I'll just (laughs) point to the the more important thing I could say is they're another one of those bands that took everything we love about other styles of music and put it all together in a great package.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And uh, yeah, my first introduction was hearing ride the lightning on the metal shop in my bedroom around midnight and uh, went to the mall the next day and bought that cassette. And I remember nobody liked it because, you know, wow. they fight fire with fire. And that was one of their right. first experiences with that kind of music. And, Nobody liked it for a while, but, of course, after Master of Puppets came around and, you know, people started to come along, uh, I could say a whole lot about what I dislike, about what they were doing in the 90s. Uh, But I'll skip all of that and say that I'm very happy with their return to what they're great at, uh, beginning with Death Magnetic. I love that record. All Nightmare Long is one of my favorite Metallica songs, I think. And uh, and their latest record, Hardwired, um, I'm still listening to that all the time. I uh, think I've learned about six songs on that record uh, to play on guitar that are just uh, entertaining as can be. Uh, so I'm really proud of the effort that they made with that last record and excited to hear what they might do next.
3: Very cool.
1: Awesome. Um, I am looking forward to that as well. We'll see. They're supposedly working on something. Um, We'll have to do the best and worst of Metallica at one point.
6: I'll probably upset a few people when we get to the 90s there. (laughs) Well,
1: um, I think we all know what number one is at this point. Does it King
0: surprise?
1: <laughs> does it, uh, surprise anyone that Megadeth,
6: The Godfather,
1: was was number one uh, out of this entire list? I mean, let's be honest. I th- I think with uh, like I said, the first the first three, the voting is separated from one from three to one. There's five. There's five points difference. There's one point difference between Metallica and Megadeth. Um, I think all of the Slayer arguments are valid. I think that for for the most part, all the different things that have been said tonight have been valid. Are there two bands that are more important to Thrash than, than Metallica and Megadeth? I know, Ed, you would probably argue that Slayer is more... Important, but
6: well, just from, uh, yeah, that's favoritism there, but yeah. King Dave, he belongs up there at the top. Yeah. Um,
1: this also leads me to another question. When I spoke to Chuck Billy, I asked him about the big four and how he thought that term was dumb. And on the flip side, blitz from overkill said, Oh, I get that. He goes, they're all my friends. And mm-hmm. plus those are the four bands within the genre that have sold the most. That's so right. So these should be considered the big four. Yeah, they uh, were. So we almost have three of those four are, are our you know top three. You know, so maybe for anyone who argues that, you know, an Exodus should be number four over so and so, or a testament, or something like that. We're seeing our voting, and our voting isn't that far off from this whole big four argument. Megadeth, Metallica, Anthrax, and Slayer isn't that much farther down. Um, To me, that's surprising. I expected them to be higher than they were. I'm not surprised that Megadeth and Metallica were there. I'm surprised that Anthrax was this high. I'm pleased. Um, But Megadeth. There are so many people that point
3: to Rust in Peace as being the perfect thrash album. To me, Ed, you said
1: it before, with Peace Cells, Wake Up Dead is a blueprint Mm -hmm. that so many bands have used, that Megadeth is still using. Listen to that new single they released. I said this to you, Ed, the other day. Mm-hmm. There's so much there that the blueprint that they established with wake up dead, they used it with Holy war. They used it with Hangar 18. They've used it with this new song where you're hearing an intro. You're almost hearing three songs within one composition. Mm-hmm. You're hearing the beginning of the song. You're hearing the soloing portion. And then you're hearing an end piece that could have, Could be a completely different song all on to its own, but it's Mm -hmm. still part of that. Megadeth, as you're saying, Dave Mustaine has always steered this ship. He's always had great players, but Dave has always been the mastermind who knew who to bring into the band and what to have them play. It doesn't surprise me that they're number one. They were obviously in my top 10 also, and I love this band to death. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, since you started saying uh, King Dave, <laughs> your, your your thoughts on uh, Megadeth?
6: Yeah, I love Megadeth. Uh, Peace Cells, of course, was I told you earlier my first experience, and I listened to that record. Yeah, to this day, um, that's a yeah blueprint for thrash metal and for guitar playing. Um, you know, Ride the Lightning probably had the biggest you know, impact on me being my first thrash metal record, Mm -hmm. but I can listen to peace sales a whole lot more just because of how much more diverse and just, you know, the playing of between Chris Poland and Dave and then, and the rest of the band too. But of course me and all my friends who were in the guitar playing back then, just uh, wore the hell out of that record. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, just like with Metallica, Megadeth disappointed me in the nineties, kind of took a different direction there. And I don't have any of those records because I don't like, uh, there's just nothing that interests me. But uh, when he brought Chris Poland back and did the system has failed and everything since then, I have really loved and um, yeah, I'm still playing Megadeth every day.
1: Yeah, I, I would, Agree with you. I think I know that you listed Euthanasia. I do really like Euthanasia, though, but Cryptic mm-hmm. Writing has its moments. Risk is one that uh, is still a head scratcher for as bad as people can complain about some of the Metallica albums. Um, I'll take them over Risk any day.
6: <laughs> I would Risk.
1: too. Yeah, it's just bad. It's it, Breadline is in my Metallica. Or my Megadeth playlist, but just because I need to have something to represent risk and to kind of say, "Well, this is what happened." So, yeah. um, let's see, Metal Dan, any thoughts on uh, Megadeth?
4: Not to be the, the number one. Now that I look at the list of how it is, I put Metallica one, but uh, I've seen them many times. The thing that I want to say is is what you had said also. there's good dave shows and there's bad dave shows so i've I've witnessed both and one of them was i think it was one of the maiden tours i they got done on my i said to my wife without speaking to you first before i said wow we just watched a a great dave show Mm -hmm. she's looking at me like what are you talking about some nights he's on and some nights he's he's not and yeah yeah and that wearing that white shirt with the collar uh, don't do that anymore. There you go. So that's, that's what I got to say about that. Fucking kills me. Why? And
1: now it's not so bad because Dirk and Kiko kind of wear what they want. But man, for when he got back together after the system has failed, they look like a bunch of fucking waiters on stage. I don't get it. You're a fucking metal band. I mean, one of the things, the allure of Megadeth to me, was the look, the t-shirts, the I don't give a fuck, this is who I am, you know, type of a deal, similar to the Metallica mentality. You start to see him in in the in in the white dress shirt, the black uh pleated pants and and dress shoes. And I'm like, what the fuck's he doing? The songs are great, but this look is killing me. You know, you should be taking my order up on stage. There should instead of being chairs, there should be high tables to, to take my order. So, uh, Johan, anything to say about mega? Uh, yeah. Mega <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
5: I know. I, um, it's great band, uh, love all records from P cells up until uh, countdown. Um, saw them many times, uh, during that period of time, uh, one of the best bands absolutely um i don't know many things have been said about those records my favorite record is so far so good so what yeah what do you think about that
1: yeah that's also mark striegel's favorite i believe so, um, uh, there are a lot of people that that like that album there's a lot of cool stuff on there the The one that is always a head scratcher to me, and not because there aren't good songs on it, but I have friends that oh, everything after killing is my business is no good. I'm like, well, as much as I appreciate killing is my business, to me, peace sells is a different level. He was playing you know uh, yes they, they 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 started with killing is my business but they they were finally on course with with peace cells and those string of albums like you said up until countdown i know a lot of people don't look back fondly on countdown because it was after rust and peace but i think that's a phenomenal album as well there's a lot of really good things not everything can be rust and peace and if you look at everything that he's done Even up to that point, every album was a little different. So I'm glad that he didn't try doing a rest in peace part two, you know, and people are still asking him to do that. But, um, another album that I think is really overlooked that, um, that I really enjoy is United Abominations. I think that album from beginning to end, there isn't a, a weak track on there. Maybe the weakest track is probably the, uh, the the uh a Tuleman, uh redo with uh, Christina from Lacuna Coil. I mean, it's not bad, but it's one of these things where did we really need to have, you know, a uh, uh, an updated version of this song? Because everything else on that album is killer. Like you look at the track listing, and it's like, wait a second, like every single one of these songs is good. I'm I'm not going to say again that it competes or compares with Peace Cells or Rust in Peace but for what it's worth it's probably in my opinion probably my favorite album that he's put out since
4: you know he kind of threw everything back together again so and when you compare alcohols the mega death beer is way better than the metallica beer that metallica beer was awful <laughs> but the but the metallica whiskey is awesome we'll have them stick to whiskeys then
1: <laughs> was whiskey or is it or is it a bourbon because that's a huge argument over it's here that,
4: that that whiskey is scottish and bourbon is from the u.s so yeah this is whiskey okay so it's a blend and whatever yeah a tula moon or whatever they call that uh megadeth beer is, is really good a little dry at the end but good <laughs>
2: uh jeremy your thoughts yeah. on megadeth yeah, well, I'm probably going to annoy you all a little bit because I've got two little bugbears about Megadeth and they were a little yeah. bit lower down my list, even though they were they were in the top 10, but they were, they were lower down. So the problems that I've got is that I don't like Dave's singing. I just don't like it. Um And the second thing is that I don't like a lot of the production on the albums either. It, to me... It's, uh, you know, I like a lot of sort of full-on production and they don't have it on those albums. So those are two little bugbears I've got about Megadeth. Um, what I would say, though, is that Dave is an absolute genius on a guitar. And um, if I listen to, you know, my favorite song is probably Holy Wars. Um, and I just think the riff on there is, is out, of the, out of this world. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, You know, you just turn that up, play that loud. And for me, that's all I need to play on Megadeth. You know, I could just play that time and time again. Uh, I've got other favorite songs sort of dotted around the various albums, but I'm not I'm not a massive fan of the band and I don't know what it is. I just don't get them like you guys do. Um, there are other thrash bands that I get. Um, I think that there are some, um, songs that they do that, that aren't catchy enough. I think it goes back to what, sort of Johan was saying earlier, you know, when a band doesn't make of stuff that, you know, you, is catchy enough. And I, I just think that some of it is a little bit too, um, too over the top, you know, it, sort of it, it's, it's Dave extending what he does because he's such a genius um and it doesn't really make a great song for me um so i'm you know i sorry to be put a bit of a downer on it but i you know they're not my favorite band um but i do uh, you know i do understand why you like them
1: yeah i i think that he has tried that because i think an album like super collider was his attempt at make putting out like a 70s rock album
0: yeah you
1: know, and yeah. it really pissed a lot of people off because of how musical they are. You know, Um, I do think some of those albums in the nineties are like that. Euthanasia has a, has that with a few songs, Um, cryptic writing as well. And I mean, find the song crush it. Crush it is them trying to get a radio hit. I mean, that
6: song is embarrassing.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. um it that was that was i don't know this is one of these things what came first the chicken or the egg for a time there uh, that was the theme song of uh a really popular wrestler named goldberg Mm -hmm. and i don't know if they had them write the lyrics for goldberg because the lyrics are very like the the first line is into the arena, into the something or other. So it's all like combat type thing. It's like a f- the whole thing behind it is like getting into a ring or, or fighting or whatever. And I remember people were like, wow, this is great. And I'm like, this isn't what I want to hear from Megadeth. You know, this isn't, you know, the, and there's stuff on countdown and even on euthanasia that have, like really melodic choruses to them, but the songs are still structured in a way that it isn't that obvious that they're trying to get on the radio. And, and I get it. I mean, if you look at in hindsight, he was probably trying to keep Marty Friedman from leaving the band, which is what eventually happened. Um, cause from what's been said, uh, risk is what Marty wanted to do. And, you know, they, they had reached such a high with Marty Friedman that I guess he wanted to uh preserve that at all costs, but it just didn't work with the uh fan base. So, um, I think most of the bands that we have on this list are legendary, at least the top 10 are, are bands that I mean, if if you ever wanted to put like a Again, a pure thrash festival together. Even even if Pantera isn't full on thrash, or, or maybe you could say that about suicidal, as Ed said before. But if you had a festival with those 10 bands, you wouldn't be that disappointed, I, I don't think. No. So um, I want to thank each and every one of you guys for being here. Uh, Anthony cut out, I guess his phone uh, may have died uh metal dan is there somewhere there he is um obviously ed and johan and jeremy um are here as well i want to thank all of my patrons who voted this was a lot of fun finally it it was a list that wasn't didn't have iron maiden involved (laughs) so we could you know so it was something that came down to the wire and you know even though it was megadeth over metallica i don't hear anyone that's really upset over it jeremy has a slightly different opinion but even still you i think you appreciate yeah that, you know the way things shaped out so um yeah this was this was this was a lot a lot of fun and i look forward to having our next uh patreon discussion
6: the 2 hours slayer episode
1: the two hours later. So there you go.
6: Yeah, I'm ready.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing, too, we are finally in July. Something Jeremy reminded me of. We may have to talk about some of our favorite albums up to this point this year at some point soon. So um, if not, we, we I'm just I'm just planting that seed. So if nothing else, we talk about it on Patreon and maybe we'll get an episode out of it somehow. But uh, anyway, thank you all of you guys for being here, being here this late for some of us and being here this long for all of you guys, three hours plus. Uh, It has been an absolute thrill and a pleasure. Um, Any parting words before we wrap
3: things up here, folks? Enjoyed it, guys.
1: Awesome. That is it, folks. Thanks for watching or listening to this whichever uh whichever one of the two you picked and uh we will see you next time next week with uh mr dan lorenzo coming back to talk about patriarchs in black and uh that is it folks we'll see you take care